I'm Amanda. I'm Jessie. In this podcast, we talk about the joys of motherhood as well as the experiences that have altered us along the way. We've created a safe space to talk about the hard and unconventional alongside the beauty, and we want you to feel confident in the decisions that you make as a mother. Welcome to the Motherhood Collective Co. Let's talk. Welcome back to another episode um, of the Motherhood Collective Co. podcast. Today we are talking about something super comfortable. Uh, We're talking about sex (laughs) because sex, no matter which way you look at it, after you have a baby is going to be different. You have different relationship dynamics. You have a different body. Your body's just been through something completely different. Mentally, physically, it's different. Um, So we're going to talk about sex postpartum from all different angles, um, whether you had birth trauma or not. And we're going to walk you through some of the dummy tax that I personally paid so that you don't have to experience six months of no sex like I did. (laughs) And also I want to clarify before we start, anything I talk about with my husband and I's story, I cleared with him and I have permission Mm -hmm. and it's only in the deepest love and respect. We've made a point to do that this whole journey. Anytime Mm -hmm. we're going to involve someone else in our story, we need to make sure they're okay with what's being shared. 100%. Um, so I'd love to start out just with my story yeah. um, and how I perceived it at the time. So I didn't have a vaginal birth. If you listen to my birth story, I ended up in C-section. Um, so I didn't have a vaginal birth, was not expecting sex to be a problem whatsoever. Even if you have a C-section, you still have to wait you know, a few weeks because you still bleed. And you're still bleeding for yes. six weeks. I think that we forget that. Yeah, the blood does not come from a vaginal wound. The blood comes from the wound in your uterus left by the placenta because mm-hmm. the placenta is attached to your uterus. So if you have a baby, you're going to be bleeding for like six yeah. weeks. It doesn't matter how that baby came out. Yeah. <laughs> so there is still some time there where you're not engaging in any sex. Um, but once I stopped bleeding, um, and my husband and I are very physical people. That's both of our love language. That's how we connect. And when we tried, it felt like earth shattering pain, Mm. like intense vaginal pain. I could not endure it whatsoever. So we had to stop attempting. Mm. Um, and of course the first thing I did was go to my midwife and they did a vaginal check, which I think is just probably protocol. Um, but they test for things. They tested for things like STDs. Um, Baby. Yeah. And, you know, everything came back negative. And at that point, they were just like, okay, we don't really know what's going on. It's probably just vaginal dryness. Have this estrogen cream. Um and I don't know, did you experience I, any of that? Yeah, that's so funny. I actually went on an estrogen cream as mm-hmm. well. Well, postpartum, I struggled with UTIs for like three months mm-hmm. on and off. Um, they would not go away. I'm and I think it that. was because, yeah, I think it was because of the catheter. Um, I was on a catheter for like, I think a disproportionately long time mm-hmm. postpartum than I probably most people that have a baby. So I, it was so painful. It was so miserable. And I was on so many antibiotics. And so it's hard to yeah. tell. It's like the chicken or the egg. I'm going to rock your world yeah. in a few minutes about what that probably yeah. was. Um, but um, I didn't want to do the estrogen cream. Uh, my family has a history of breast cancer and yeah. introducing, you know, synthetic hormones into your body can be really disruptive to your hormones mm. um so while i i think i tried it once or twice just to see if it would help yeah. 
and I did get a little bit of relief. Oh, um, I didn't. I didn't even end up using it because of the same yeah, thing. It's like it's scary. I was having a hard enough time like taking the antibiotics yeah. that it's like I yeah. There's so, so many factors that go into there are. And let me talk just for a second about why estrogen cream is prescribed what it does and um, that pain that a lot of women feel vaginally after having a baby. There are two main reasons, but I'm going to talk first about vaginal dryness. So when I say vaginal dryness, you might say, oh, but I still have cervical mucus. Mm -hmm. That is not the same thing. Vaginal dryness when you're um, postpartum and when you are menopausal is, has nothing to do with the top layers of skin in the vagina. You mm. could have like your finger right there and feel the moistness. Vaginal dryness is a deep tissue. So we have many, many layers of tissue. Mm. Like just like your skin, you have your epidermis, you have the dermis underneath of that. Like you have multiple layers of tissue before you get to the outside tissue that you're feeling with your finger, right? right? Um, and it's those very bottom layers that mm. are brittle and dry mm. and they break. So when you introduce a penis, <laughs> you yeah. know, while you're trying to have intercourse with your husband or whatever it is, it, you're literally ripping the underneath mm. layers of your yeah, skin. That makes so much sense. It does. And a re- the big reason why a lot of women have vaginal dryness is low estrogen, which is why the estrogen cream is prescribed. Mm. Um, we get low estrogen when we breastfeed. I was just going to say that's, yeah. yeah, it tanks when you breastfeed. Yeah. And every mom, regardless of if you continue to breastfeed or not, still gets milk. So your estrogen tanks after birth, regardless of who you are, which is why the estrogen cream is so often prescribed. And I feel like if your problem is just low estrogen, um, sometimes the estrogen cream can be a quick fix and it you might not need it long term. So you might feel super comfortable doing that. Um, I wasn't comfortable doing that. So let me tell you about a product I found. Did you find any products that helped you? No. Initially, I tried. I didn't really try, though. Yeah. I I, <laughs> I think I threw some coconut oil up there yeah. at one point because I was like, this just is, I'm just hurting. I don't know what's going on. I tried a lot of things, coconut oil being one of them, because like I said, um, my husband and I are very physical, and that was a very important part of our relationship, and I was trying so hard to get that back. Um, I wanted to feel normal, <laughs> right, yeah. in that aspect of my relationship. So, yes, I was freezing coconut oil initially and doing like coconut oil suppositories which wasn't really getting to the bottom layers of tissue. Yeah. Coconut oil is a very large fatty acid and our skin it, it's it's not going to absorb it the way that you might want it to. Um I found a brand that saved my life after mm. <laughs> after postpartum it's Bonafide, B O N A F I D E. Um, and they sell hyaluronic acid hmm. supplements. So hyaluronic acid you're probably familiar with because we use it in our serums on our face. Yeah. It's intensely hydrating. It is a very easy source of hydration for our skin to absorb. Um, so these hyaluronic acid supplements um, I ordered, they were all little suppositories and they give you instructions like on how to use them. So for the first two or three weeks, I was using multiple a day and then I got to the point where I needed like one a week and then I got to the point where I didn't need them at all Mm. so if you are suffering with vaginal dryness or if you're pregnant oh god bless you if you're pregnant and you're listening to this yeah (laughs) because then you can avoid some of the stuff but um that is a really really great resource yeah and then there's probably a group of people that are not interested at all in having sex postpartum yeah um there's a lot of reasons why you would not be interested there's a lot of reasons I mean I I think 
your body changes. I gained about 55 pounds with my Mm -hmm. daughter. I felt yeah, extremely overweight. I was struggling with horrible acne postpartum. Yeah, oh um, gosh, me too. Yeah, and you just yeah, you're bleeding. You're learning how to nurse, and you're you, you feel like you're fatigued, <laughs> and you feel like your baby is, um, you know, I don't know that everybody experiences feeling like touched out, but I definitely felt yeah, like I'm, you know, I have this baby nursing on me all day, every day, all night, every night. We co-slept. I don't feel like I have a desire or a need for mm-hmm. any other touch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was kind of over yeah. it. When I was looking up um, common reasons why women aren't having sex postpartum, yeah. and they actually label this as postpartum sexual dysfunction, which don't let that term scare you because it's totally temporary. <laughs> Eventually your body yeah. will go back to normal. But some things that can like impact you postpartum when it comes to sex – um, women who had an episiotomy, sometimes that oh, gosh. one that could create trauma, vaginal trauma, like especially if you had the episiotomy without an epidural, um, and that could be an area of your body that's holding trauma and you don't want them to touch it. Yeah. Two, you could have stitches and now you have a scar there and it could feel different for both you and your husband. And whether or not that's something, like the feeling maybe not be stopping you, but maybe you're scared of how it's going to feel or your self-conscious I felt that way completely I just with the c-section scar even after it healed I as you know there's this numbness there's weird feelings like you are touching your body but you don't feel yourself Mm -hmm. touching your body um which also gets better two years later I have feeling on my c-section scar again you don't (laughs) I did a lot of um which we can cover in we're going to be doing an entire series on cesareans and all of the information surrounding them but I did a lot of cupping over my scar um just to increase blood flow and get that feeling back because I would rather feel pain than feel numb yeah I still Um, were three and a half years later yeah but I didn't I didn't want my husband or Sunny touching anything um near my c-section scar which is directly where sometimes you need to to have sex yeah and that's really hard and I think another topic that they covered on this article I read was like stress about sex and I think that there's a lot of ways to stress about sex after postpartum is it gonna hurt did I have a c-section are they gonna touch this weird part of my body that I cannot feel did I have birth trauma and I yeah I'm not ready to get pregnant again yeah or do I have birth trauma and I'm storing trauma in my pelvic floor Mm -hmm. um it's normal to have stress about sex after pregnancy, 100%. And then here in a little bit, I'm going to talk about the things Brady and I did to talk through all of that. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, changes in hormones, which we covered, but lower estrogen can lead to the vaginal dryness and can lead to intense pain. Um, while we're on the topic of pain, another thing that they talk about is um, a pelvic organ relapse. So a pelvic organ relapse is when your pelvic floor is lax. And things are not being held where they should be. The very opposite of that is what I suffered with. And it Me is too. pelvic floor tautness. Mm-hmm. When your pelvic floor is super tight, okay, one of the things it can do is cause recurrent UTIs, mm-hmm. which I had my whole life. Yeah. Um, because you're not emptying your bladder fully every mm-hmm. single time you use the restroom. And that causes bacteria to build in your bladder and it causes UTIs. Um, the other thing that pelvic floor tightness does is it... It's like constant grating on the nerves that innervate your clitoris, your vagina, your anus. Mm. So you'll hear women say, oh, I get these like sharp pains to my anus or I have intense pain when I'm having sex or I'm having intense burning when I'm Mm -hmm. urinating 
but they can't find an infection, which was my case. That is nerve damage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, The nerves that are innervating all of that go not just through your pelvic floor, but through your lower core muscles. Mm -hmm. So if you had birth trauma or if birth was just like, you know, a child just came through your pelvic floor, that's kind of intense. And I think a lot of times our pelvic floor reacts by like turning into a rock as well as our core. And women tend to hold stress in their pelvic floor and their core muscles, also in their traps, but we're not talking about that area right now. Um, Where men tend to hold stress in their low back, you see a lot of men with low back pain. You see a lot of women with UTIs. You Mm. see a lot of women that can't control their bladder. You see a lot of women with those issues. Postpartum is a stressful time. Mm -hmm. So I urge you, if the estrogen cream doesn't help you, you need to see a physical therapist, a pelvic floor therapist. I was just going to say, I did see a pelvic floor therapist to just get my scar, my Mm C-section scar evaluated, and she ended up doing an entire exam, which is how I knew that I had like tension in my pelvic Mm -hmm. floor. Um, But she gave me a lot of tips and tricks and exercises and the cupping that she was the one that taught me how to do the cupping over my C-section scar. And this was a year and a half postpartum. So yeah, yeah, I I regained fullness um, of like the the nerves, at least where my scar is um, from doing the cupping even a year and a half later. Yeah. So my physical therapist helped me learn how to work out. She helped me learn how to breathe again. Mm-hmm. Cause I realized I'd been breathing wrong the, my whole life. My yeah. pelvic floor, since, um, I suffered abuse as a child, that is where all my trauma was stored was my pelvic floor and my stress. Um, that was a area of my body that I was really uncomfortable with. So I constantly held it tight as a rock as well as my abs. So when I was breathing, I was using my accessory muscles, like my traps and my ribs where you're supposed to be using your diaphragm mm-hmm. and your pelvic floor is supposed to relax every single time you take a deep breath. So I had to learn how to breathe. She helped me with things like cupping my mm-hmm. core, so yeah. I, cupping my abdomen, um, as well as like things my husband could do before we had sex mm-hmm. to help release those right. muscles while they were so intensely painful. Yeah. So um, yes, again, I spent my entire life <laughs> with recurring UTIs and all of these issues and postpartum brought all of this to light to a place where I could actually heal from that mm-hmm. and it's not an issue for me anymore. So if yeah. you're having vaginal pain or recurring UTIs, get to a pelvic floor physical therapist mm-hmm. like yesterday. And you're pri- it's probably important to note your primary care provider is not going to Mm-mm. see your UTI as any sort of pelvic floor issue or stored trauma mm-hmm. or... Um, even a result of like, you know, a catheter or what yeah. they, they're just going to give you some antibiotics. and Exactly. Off, Our medical which... system isn't set up to look at you as a whole person. They each have specialties mm-hmm. and to a hammer, everything's a nail. Mm-hmm. So if you're going, you know, to a heart doctor, everything's a heart issue. Mm-hmm. And, and f- that's for any system of the body. So I think unfortunately in this country, we have to do a lot of discernment of what is going on within our own body and who do we need to go to. Yeah. So these issues we're talking about are strictly to be handled by a pelvic floor physical therapist. Um, And the doctor I went to to help me find one, she was a urologist, gynecologist. Hmm. So she was able to look at my urine, do an ultrasound on my bladder to see if it was emptying all the way, and do a vaginal exam to feel the muscles of my pelvic floor. Yeah. And I was even curious about how my scar healed in general. Mm -hmm. And I was told that a pelvic floor therapist would be beneficial for evaluating that. And she was able to kind of like palpate, um, internally and externally. And she was able to tell me like, I feel one, one part of your whole scar that might have like a little bit of an adhesion, but other than that, like it, it healed really well. Mm-hmm. Um, cause sometimes you'll hear women saying like, oh, well when I jump or when I do certain exercises, I feel this like pulling or tugging mm-hmm. or those are adhesions. Those aren't, those aren't normal, mm-hmm. um, healing processes of like 
what should stay mm-hmm. from a scar. I shouldn't say it's not normal. It, it is what your body does to heal, but yeah. it shouldn't stay that way. And it, it doesn't, doesn't have, have to be that way. For sure. Um, so getting off of the painful sex, <laughs> some other things that can cause like sexual dysfunction after having a baby, like just new relationship dynamics. I think a lot of couples, um, no, no couple is prepared for what a new baby is going to do to you. Because you've never done it before. (laughs) And I think with every new baby, it's going to be a new relationship dynamic. So um, that can cause you to not want to have sex. Maybe you guys aren't getting along. Maybe you're not seeing eye to eye. Maybe you're both just freaking tired, right? And it's not something you have energy for. But have patience with that Mm -hmm. because it's a phase and you'll get through it. Yeah, you're learning so much. Even, you know, I was grateful because my husband and I were on the same page with co-sleeping. Um, but I know there's not a lot of mm-hmm. people that e- even those everyday decisions you're making in the, in the first few months of having a baby that you might have not talked through, you know, mm-hmm. before you had a baby, um, that can cause a lot of tension too. And yeah. it's like your husband's like, get this baby out of my bed. Yep. And you're like, no, I want to sleep with, you know, and then, yeah. yeah, there's, there's new tension introduced into yeah. the relationship. Yeah. And I think at that point, um, you have to compromise. That's what my husband and I did because my husband's a very light sleeper. He's the one that gets up with our babies, your, your baby. We have one right now. But mm-hmm. even to this day, he's the one that wakes up with them because like I, I could sleep through a train coming through my house. Really? Yeah. And co-sleeping was great for me because if Noah cried, he found my boob. It was great. Yeah. And I could continue sleeping. Um, but for Brady, he's like, this is really hard on me. So we had to sit down and have a conversation. Like, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And he said, I want you to do it. But I also would like to get some sleep again so we compromised and said at a year we're gonna hire someone to come out and help us get him into his own room Mm -hmm. into this nice transition where it's not like crying it out or sleep training right you know right um another thing is like you could just have an actual decrease and i think everybody experiences this a very big decrease in sex drive hormonally i mean if you think about this biologically we have a high sex drive when we ovulate. It's like literally four days out of the month where women have a very high sex drive um, on a hormonal standpoint. After we have a baby, we're not on a 30-day cycle anymore. Mm-hmm. So there isn't an increase of hormones to say, okay, I want to get pregnant now. Here's my sex drive. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works. After we have a baby, our body's focusing on producing milk for that baby, right. keeping your baby alive. You're in a high stress environment until you figure out your new routine Mm -hmm. and the hormones aren't there yeah it doesn't mean that you can't do have sex with your husband or be in the mood but the natural sex drive won't be there for a little while and it might be weeks it might be months it just depends yeah on your situation and if you're breastfeeding and not just decrease uh, sex drive from hormones but also from no sleep from being touched all day long, from maybe you're not feeling fulfilled being home all day by yourself. You know, you're wanting... I just didn't like... I mean, personally, I just didn't like how I looked. Yeah. Like, I know that has a huge bearing on... um, And and it's not a huge priority at first to go and, like, feel good about yourself and get ready. You're not Mm -mm. working out right away. You're You're in survival (laughs) mode. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, what part of me is even in alignment with what I would want to... And it's it's so funny because my husband is the type where he still found me attractive when I was 55 pounds overweight and like had acne covering all my, you know, had shaved my legs and who knows Mm -hmm. how long. And he Diapers, like actual diapers. Actual diapers. (laughs) He was still attracted to me and like, bless his heart. Like I'm, I'm so grateful (laughs) for that, but, but I'm a little bit more hard on myself and I'm like, no, I, 
this is horrible. Yeah. And mind you, we had gotten pregnant three months after our wedding. And oh. I looked the best, as most people do, the best you'll ever look on your wedding day mm-hmm. <laughs> or feel the best you'll ever feel. So it's a hard, I was playing a comparison game with myself of like, who would be attracted to me right now. And I I feel so bad that you married one version of me. And then a year later, I'm a completely different version of me. And that was just hard for me personally. Yeah. And that is something I didn't expect to experience postpartum. I think when you're trying to get pregnant with your first baby, it's so exciting. And you plan (laughs) for your pregnancy. You plan for your baby's nursery. You don't plan for postpartum. And you're not mentally prepared to look in the mirror and see this body. I mean, you you watched your stomach grow, nice tight skin, you're glowing, yeah. your boobs are huge. It's yeah. like really it's beautiful. Being pregnant is freaking magic. Postpartum is difficult though because you're going to see something different in the mirror and especially when it's your first baby, you don't understand that that's so temporary. Yeah. It really is. I mean, a month. I mean, we were talking about it last night. Like our noses yeah. grow. Yeah. And your face puffs up. And yeah, like, you I, look different. You and you're tired. So tired. <laughs> you're so tired. And you lose a lot of hair off your the top of your I head. Know. So that would be really hard to. And for me, I need to feel pretty. I need to feel sexy mm-hmm. in order to have sex. Yeah. So that was. I think that's normal. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And that was hard for me. Um, but if you're pregnant and listening to this. Mentally prepare yourself, but also mentally prepare yourself that this is so temporary. Because once I saw that version of myself in the mirror, it added to my postpartum depression because I thought, okay, this is what I look like now. I know, yeah. But a month later, I was in my normal size jeans. Your swelling goes down. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everything goes back to normal. And and it might be a little bit of a new normal for you depending on your body type. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I promise that yeah. feeling doesn't last forever. Yeah, it totally opened my eyes to how much I may have idolized my body mm-hmm. um, before I had a baby. And it really humbled me to become a different version of myself that I still found to be beautiful in a different kind of way. Because mm-hmm. um, I think I, I just didn't realize how much I prided myself on being so tiny my whole life mm-hmm. until I had a baby. And I'm like, I my body is, you know, some people might go back to their normal body and be back in their other genes I don't feel like my body went back to normal and I don't feel like I have given myself the grace to understand the body that I had before my baby was bred out of being a college athlete and so trying to um kind of break up with that version of myself even right now I've finally two years postpartum I'm going through my clothes and I'm saying okay I'm not gonna I'm not going to be this version of myself ever again, and that's okay. Yeah. And I can buy clothes that I feel good in, and I yeah, can dress in a way that I actually, body. yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even getting used to having boobs, yeah. I <laughs> I had, I was like completely flat chested my whole life, and yeah. I loved that. I loved that I didn't mm-hmm. have boobs. It made me feel smaller. They didn't get in the way of my workouts. I just felt petite and... Mm. Um, now, I, I don't know my bra size because I wear sports bras every day, but they're, I, my boobs are huge still. And for the longest time, I'm like, it's because I'm pregnant. And now it's like, oh, I was breastfeeding for two years and I weaned my daughter a couple months ago. And now I'm like, these aren't going anywhere right now. now. So um, Yeah. And I will say it is very unrealistic to think your body's going to go back exactly yeah. how it was because your organs literally shifted. <laughs> right like you and your uterus while your uterus does go back down to the same size but your your muscles stretched to Mm -hmm. form over your body so while yes you could still fit back in the same size jeans I think it's unrealistic to expect that you're always going to see the same body in the mirror Mm -hmm. but I love 
my postpartum body. Mm. I really do. And it took me a little bit to learn to love my postpartum body, but I, you know, worked out. I, I got on a really great resistance training routine. Had nothing to do with the way I wanted to look. I wanted to be strong. Mm. I wanted to lift my baby and carry in all the groceries at the same time. Like I wanted to be independent Mm -hmm. and I got there and I learned to love my body for what it's capable for. Yeah. Capable of. And it's, it's a really beautiful journey. But if you're in the trenches of postpartum, don't feel bad because we've all been there Mm -hmm. and it is hard. (laughs) It is hard. And most, I can speak for my husband and Jesse has spoken for hers was, that was not a turnoff. They just watched you give birth. My husband was in awe (laughs) to watch me push and labor for as long as I did. And he just thought like I was freaking magic Mm -hmm. afterwards. And he loved me and Mm -hmm. he still wanted to connect that way. Yeah. It's also okay that your husband still wants to connect with you. He's not doing it because he's some horn dog. Right. He loves you. Right. He wants to connect with you. So for me and my husband, it was six months before. I mean, we had still had sex in that six months, but it was so painful. It would end in tears. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I wouldn't be able to do it again for a week or two. Mm -hmm. So it was six months before I was comfortably having sex again. And I think a lot of that had to do with the supplements, the uh, suppositories I was using, as well as the pelvic floor correction, you know, to my issues and the nerve, like deflaming the nerves that were all inflamed. Um, Some things that... um, we did to kind of get through that. I think these are tools. I, you know, if you're listening to this before you have a baby, that you should really practice. Um, but serious communication. So, with my husband and I, um, we're really good communicators. I didn't come into the relationship with that skill. I was a terrible communicator. Every relationship I've had in the past was no communication. <laughs> but my husband's a very good communicator and he taught me a lot. So, while we were going through that we communicated and my husband would communicate to me this is why i want to connect with you and i would communicate to him this is why it can't happen right now (laughs) (laughs) you know like it hurts but like letting him know this has nothing to do with you and he wasn't pressuring me or pushing me my husband is a very very patient man Mm -hmm. looking back on that blows my mind (laughs) um but you know we just made sure we had our intentions clear yeah. Like, I'm not avoiding you, and I'm not jumping your bones because I'm yeah. one dog. Like, mm-hmm. we want to connect with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we found other ways to be intimate, especially in those first few weeks when you really can't. You're bleeding. Yeah. Right? And you still want to be intimate with your husband. Like, just cuddling. I know, yeah. Finding something to do together. Kissing. Letting them wash your hair in the shower. Yes. Find other ways to be intimate. Sex is not the only way to be intimate. So if you're in a time right now where sex is really a trigger for you or it hurts or it's bothersome in whatever way, communicate with your husband the reasons behind that, why mm-hmm. it's happening, and talk to him about other ways you guys could mm-hmm. be intimate. Yeah. Um, we, while we were, you know, having sex, and it was so painful for me, and I wanted to, again, I was never pressured into it. I wanted to connect with my husband, but we would talk before this is how I'm feeling. We would talk during. I mean, my husband was constantly, how is it? How are you? Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah. We would talk during, and then we would talk after mm-hmm. about how it, you know, how I was feeling. So making sure that he wanted to make sure he understood everything mm-hmm. that was going on in my body, which yeah, was very helpful. Yeah, my husband did helpful. that as well, which is really helpful because yeah. there were times where it was too much, it was too overwhelming, and we would just have to stop. Yeah, and 
I think with Brady, at least, he's a chiropractor and he's very knowledgeable in the human body and the nervous system. And I think that probably like lent into his patients because he understood so much physically. But if your husband doesn't have a background in that, he really might not understand. And I think you have to be, you have to talk to him like he's a third grader. He doesn't have a vagina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he doesn't know. So yeah. making sure that your husband understands what's going on with you is super important or else he's going to start assuming things. And when you start assuming each other's intentions, it's not good. Yeah. And then um, make sure you're not taking frustrations out on each other too. Um, we didn't, I was fortunate enough, we didn't have any frustrations when it came to sex. It was just like, we want to do this and we can't and it's sad. But if there are frustrations, especially in a situation where maybe communication isn't so great or the knowledge of the female body isn't there, make sure you're not taking frustrations out on each other. Mm-hmm. Tell your husband to go work out. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, find ways that you can take out sexual frustrations or frustrations with ex- unmet expectations in your marriage and not do it on each other. Yeah. And I and I think it's okay if that if that process takes longer than either of you had hoped for because yeah. you want to come back into that space like healed versions yeah. of yourselves and whether that's sorting through trauma or physical pains or um, whatever that looks like. I know for me, I was just scared that regardless of the precautions we took, I was going to get pregnant if we had sex. I was so closed off to that aspect of it that it's hard to 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 have sex knowing this is what leads to having a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I've never been on birth control, so I I didn't you know we didn't we didn't use birth control, so that was it was always it's always a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to enjoy an act that you know leads can lead to a baby when you are um, not in any sort of place to yeah. even consider having another baby at that point. Um, yeah, and you just said something that triggered something for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about birth control and protection. Yeah. Latex was something that could not touch my body postpartum. Mm. It was very inflammatory for me. So there are great non-latex condoms. If mm. you're trying to be protective, yeah. like you want to not get pregnant and condoms are very painful for you, I try non-latex. Mm. Skin is the brand we were using. It's, it's like S-K-Y-N-N. Yeah. It's a non-latex condom. Mm-hmm. And that one was much more comfortable yeah. for me and for once you're, reason. I mean, once you are not... Like when you are postpartum, your cycles, like you said earlier, are so out of whack yeah. that a lot of times you'll know. ovulate before you ever get your yeah. first period. Yeah. So when you have your normal cycles that you're like, for me, 28 days, ovulate on the 14th day. I, I've educated myself so much surrounding my cycle at this point that I can tell when they're regular, oh, I'm not even fertile right now. Mm-hmm. So there's not that fear in my head. But when you're postpartum, you don't know when you're going to be dropping an egg. And it's the total myth that you can't get pregnant while you're breastfeeding. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that is maybe true for a lot of women, but there's also a lot of women I mean, that get pregnant breastfeeding. I got, so don't. Yeah. I got my period back even, I think, like six months postpartum. And yeah. like I said, we were nursing all day, all night nurse yeah. for two years straight but I, I got my period back pretty yeah. quickly I didn't have mine for two full years because I had breastfed for Noah for two years mm-hmm. but we still use protection every time mm-hmm. because not naive yeah you don't know <laughs> don't be naive yeah. you can definitely get pregnant so if you're trying to avoid pregnancy use a condom yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> all right do you have anything else to add to that no I think just yeah just give yourself time and grace and space your body just changed dramatically your life just changed dramatically this doesn't need to be the highest priority right now it will come back you will have um that desire again and you will feel like yourself again whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like and you um you'll figure out a new rhythm yeah and 
open communication with your husband, talking to him about different ways you can be intimate, whether it's just having a vulnerable conversation yeah. or cuddling on the couch or doing skin to skin yeah. or just making out like you yeah. did when you were teenagers. Yeah. Like there are other ways to be intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think intimacy plays a very important role in marriage. So I wouldn't just push it off. Yeah. Um, and also Jesse and I would love to talk to you guys if there's any mm-hmm. questions um, mm-hmm. We actually want... we actually made this episode because one of you had asked us. Yes, to. thank yeah. you for the person that asked us a question. Yeah. Um, and I th- we want to try and do better about posting question boxes before we record, so we can answer some questions during the episode. So before we record our next episode, I'll yeah. make sure we do mm-hmm. post a question box. But please reach out to us on social um, at the Motherhood Collective Co on TikTok, on Instagram, on YouTube, um, and we will get back to you in yeah. our in our inbox. Yeah. All right, guys, we are so grateful that you stuck with us for another episode. I hope that you found this helpful, and we absolutely cannot wait to jump back in and record another episode to help you guys enjoy motherhood. Yeah, we'll see you next time. See ya. Thank you for listening. And remember that you were chosen to be the mother of your children. And you are exactly where you need to be. See See you you next week. week.